This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each week, and I've been waiting several days to say this. Wait for Let's it. hear it. The inaugural and only member of the Glory Hall of Fame, Bazooka Joe Valtellini. What an Here honor. go. I know, I know. I was waiting for an applause. We got to input the, the clapping sound in there, but uh, amazing. I mean, it was, uh, I knew a few days before and I didn't want to leak out the news because I wanted people who are watching to kind of be totally thrown off. I'm like, what the heck was this special for announcement and performance they're putting on? But it was honestly probably up there with the greatest accomplishment of my life. I have my world title and now being the first. I mean, it's I think that's, uh, that, that to me... Hall of Fame is something that, you know what, like that was the dream when I started the sport, but to be the first in like modern day kickboxing, like this is a new era of kickboxing. Like you look at the old school Japan days, you have their legends, you have their people over there, but then this is like the last decade of kickboxing and to be the first, the most recognized, you know, in North America when it comes to the sport and with the sport being so European and international based to be the first from Canada where I couldn't even fight here because it still continues to be illegal. I mean, it's just uh, everything was a beautiful story. So how did get that changed? I don't know, Aaron. Don't even <laughs> – after that, you know how many messages? Everyone's like, hey, man, congratulations on the Hall of Fame. But is it true that you can't fight in Ontario? I said, yep. I said – and they said, I can, you can fight UFC, but don't fight kickboxing. Oh, don't not do it. Don't do it. It's so bad. You know, it's uh, – I don't understand it. It's so outdated, and it's actually – the word is embarrassing. You have one of the most recognized kickboxers in the world, Hall of Famer. Ontario Athletic Commission probably doesn't even know. They have no idea about kickboxing at all. It's just, uh, it's sad for uh, the sport. Well, have you ever reached out and said, like, let's jump on Zoom and talk about this? Like, do they. I've been with UFC lawyers with the commission. I've. Uh, Literally, we even this email, I had Todd Grisham, he messaged the athletic commission and being like, hey, I just want to let you know you're, you're one of your main sports athletes is being recognized in the sport. Like there's George St. Pierre and there's Bazooka Joe. Like he's the I don't understand how you don't recognize him. And like, well, it'll take four weeks was the response for someone to the media department. Todd's like, forget it. Yeah. All right, cool, guys. Thanks for the recognition, Canada and Ontario. And I appreciate it. I love representing you guys across the world. Thank you. But uh it was great. It was, uh, I think, the more important than Canada, it's uh, what it meant to my family and I, and I think that's what means the most. And I'm 36 years old, and I still, my main goal in life is to make my parents proud, and uh, I just think I, I did that again one more time. Did it feel like you had some kind of closure on your, on your, I guess, competitive career for kickboxing when that happened? I'd say, uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think the closure needed a little bit more fighting. I think I needed that, but I think this helped a little bit. I think uh, a lot of people didn't know the struggles behind why this means so much to me. I think people are like, oh, yeah, you know, you vacated your title. It's not just vacating a title. Like, do you know how much love and joy and blood and sweat and tears mm -hmm. to just give something up? People don't understand the depression side that came with that. Um, but it was the commentary that really helped me stay um, you know, not wanting to get back into the ring. So uh, the commentary was a blessing and it allowed me still to reach the Hall of Fame through a different avenue. Absolutely. Well, when they announced they were opening a Hall of Fame, my first thought was it's going to be Joe or Semi Schilt. Yeah. That was like the other the other guy that came to mind yeah. was Semi Schilt. Yeah, I, I, a lot of people said that. But when you think about it, Semi Schilt is a legend for two of events. the old. Yeah. yeah, Glory 4 and Glory 1. I mean, yeah. I think eventually guys will go in but i mean another name i think next year i was thinking like who are they gonna induct next year i thought someone like robin van roosmalen like right. you know someone yeah. like that because they're looking for guys who aren't actively competing and van roosmalen two division champions been there for a while i think someone like that would be beautiful to have but is um, robin, remy bonyaski could robin come back? a lot of stuff well like robin might want to come back to kickboxing don't you think I think his back had some surgery, and like I don't know, I I don't know where where his uh, where his mind is there. Yeah. Maybe he's using it to help with the recovery, which I think is important. You need that extra, like if he thinks he's gonna get back, his recovery will be better. So mm -hmm. I hope for for that for him. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of guys, but uh, it's just exciting. It's been a decade with the company basically, and heck yeah. So and then exciting. my other my other thought was, did they spring this on you? 
Like, like, were they going to surprise you with this? And then when I saw you walk from backstage, I was like, well, there's no way they could have said, said to Joe, like, go backstage. We have an assignment for it. Like, yeah, they, yeah. It, it would be a little bit too tricky for them to do that. So you knew a couple of days beforehand. That was the plan initially was they were going to surprise me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my boss was like, Joe is so routine and structured yeah. and organized that it would throw him off. <laughs> Once you started completely. speaking, I knew. I knew that you that you knew because like you were so you had something prepared basically. Like, yeah, not overly. Like, I didn't yeah. want to be overly prepared. I just wanted to kind of have some understanding of like main topics. But uh, yeah, I mean, everyone seemed to like the speech. I will not listen to it. I don't rewatch anything I do. I just wanted to live in the moment and the moment it felt right to what I said. I don't even know what I said, but. Um, I'm happy. It seemed like it went well. Yeah, it was great. It was uh, a pleasure to watch, and so was the event itself. I mean, I know oh, I know we're an MMA show, but I got to talk about uh, Rico versus Jamal Ben Sadiq. That was just like, that's as good of a like if you if you like combat sports, you have to go and watch that because it, absolutely. Like, if you don't like that fight, you don't like combat sports. That's as <laughs> as, as much of the in you know uh, that's the warrior spirit personified is Rico. And I mean, we saw the Rico versus Bader fight where it was kind of the same thing where you had to fight back from adversity, but. I mean, that fight, like, I thought he was done. I thought he was, yeah. like, I thought he was done. And I, when I spoke to Cedric Dumbe yesterday, Cedric was like, I don't know how he won that fight. He's like, I, yeah. he's like, I don't know how Jamal didn't get it done. He had it. He had it in the palm of his hands. He really did. Yeah, I mean, I, it was tough, too, because, every, like, I think for me, what was even tougher calling that fight was I had Badr Hari beside me calling yeah, the fights. Yeah, who is friends with Jamal. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't get too crazy and wild. I'm like, because Botter's so biased on one side that it was crazy. I mean, at one point, Botter was standing up and giving Jamal Ben Sadiq instructions while he's commenting. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I don't even know if you can hear it. He was kind of grabbing his mic, trying to I didn't yell hear, no, instructions. I didn't hear it on the broadcast. I was like, oh man, this is crazy. But uh, wild, wild fight. Rico's been in some wild wars, man. He's been so dominant. Then all of a sudden, his chin seems to be not holding up like it used to. So he's getting dropped, but he's still able to stay in. Eye split open. Couldn't even see Jamal fatigues from whipping and trying to get the knockout. It was, it was crazy. And their second fight, because this was a trilogy, was a fight of the year. And this, obviously, I think, won it again. Yeah, I said to Cedric also yesterday. He goes, he goes. I don't know how Ben Sadiq tired out so quickly. I go, he's a hundred pounds more than you, Cedric. <laughs> like, yeah, he's yeah. a huge guy. Like, I, I know that he has to train for whatever five rounds of kickboxing, but like, I mean, you could tell how he ran out of gas. Plus, that shin injury must have been killing him. His shin was oh, completely yeah. split open, which people aren't really talking about in the aftermath. It seems. Yeah, we had two split shins that night. I mean, I think just as a night. I mean. I don't know. I'm obviously biased, but I know people who watch every event this last weekend, and you can't even compare no. how much more exciting that glory event as a whole was better than any other event that was. It wasn't on. close. Like it just I, you know, like you watch Plazabot Attic Boy. You tell me that Plazabot versus fight. Verhoeven. I need to see like Plazabot yeah. destroyed yeah. Attic Boy, who is like. You, what would yeah. you call him? Number number one behind Rico, number two behind Rico. I mean, he was I know Ben Sadiq beat going him. in tonight. Yeah, like I mean. I'd still like – I mean there's a lot of guys training together, but there's just so many fun fights. Like even Hamisha, okay, his opponent oh, wasn't as strong as we wanted to, but Savage. He went in there and just crazy powered kickboxing, you know, unreal. Um, I'm trying to think of – I can't even think of the other some of the other fights oh, that the, were uh, The Abena fight, which was a Abena, yeah, it was technical. We saw Dute get in there. Dute mm-hmm. and John King was pretty fun. Saki finishing with low kicks. Right after you got inducted Insane. to the Hall of Fame, it was like poetry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know what? It was it was nice because Saki has always been an important part of my career. So when I first started, it was Glory 6 where he was the main event. No one really talked to me. And then the second time I saw Saki, he looked at me. He's like, you're very good. And that was enough to me to be like, damn, Saki thinks I'm good. Like, I'm, I mean, must be good. And then uh, after now, he was just like he complimented, thanked me. And he's like he says he watches my pad videos and stuff like that. So I was like. A nice bonding moment with Saki, who's been uh, definitely a motivation for me. I watched so, um, I watched some videos yesterday. Uh, what's the name of the ca- Varga? I watched Gabriel Varga's channel. He's very good too. His oh, YouTube yeah. channel, really good. Yeah, really he's smart. he's built up. Yeah. yeah, he's doing it. He went full time on it now, which is good. Yeah, he he oh, did yeah. a video on Doombay before I interviewed him. I I watched it and I was like, wow. He was talking about how Doombay's striking is actually probably better suited to MMA than it is kickboxing, which I found interesting. Yeah, I mean, Dumbay isn't as structured anymore as a kickboxer. He kind of throws more loopier punches, kind of set things up a little bit different. 
It's just interesting. I know he's fighting November. He's, first, no, he's fighting soon. He's fighting like in a week, less than a week from now. Yeah, November first, right? Yeah, yeah. Is I guess right? that's Monday or Tuesday. Monday, next Monday. I think he's fight, he's fighting another kickboxer, yeah, which he's uh, a former Glory fighter as well. Yeah, I think that guy was a, a white a weight class under too. No, I, I don't know. RBMEF. But still, I think it's a uh, exciting to see Doom Bay. Hate to see him lose kickboxing because Hamisha Doom Bay could have been a Oof. fun thing in the yeah. next uh, in the next year. But uh, Doom Bay's making moves, so I'll support him anyway. Yeah, well, he's. He's talking a big game. I don't know if you saw the clip I put out yesterday. The biggest has, game, probably. Uh, he's like, I'm not training for this guy uh, at uh, UAE or uh, sorry at Super Combat. I'm training for Kamaru Usman and to beat him. He's like, that's yeah. who I want to beat. And he goes, I want I want to debut in the UFC in January on the same card as Cyril and Francis Ngannou. He's like, oh, he's 0 and 0 right now. Like January is like that event is in two and a half months from now. <laughs> like, so why, why? This is the question to you. Why do you think he was a, a world champion? It's that exactly. mindset. You oh, ask, you ask me. I, I'm I've been ready for the UFC before even Joe. You've never I even have a, a jujitsu tournament. Yeah, that's right. And I'll smash everybody in the UFC. Mm-hmm. I I think right now if you put me with Kamara Usman, I'll do very very well without any grappling experience. So he's got that. He's got the bazooka world class. The he has that mindset, and that's why he's going to do well. Yeah, you know? it's like just talking to him, and you believe him. You believe every word he's saying, yeah. right? Like, yeah, you know, that's it's, him. It's unbelievable. And uh, well, him and I got into it a little bit about you. We were debating uh, some things because I don't think he's yeah. familiar with Bazooka Joe history. Oh, okay. So what I, happened? I, I mentioned, you know, what did you think? I go, he goes, I never lost. He goes, I'm still the glory welterweight champion. I never lost the belt. And I said, yeah, speaking of which, Bazooka Joe never lost the glory welterweight belt, and he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. What did you think of that? He goes, Joe lost the belt. I go, no, no, he didn't. He goes, he lost it to Holskin. He goes, I'm the only guy who beat Holskin in glory. Or I'm yeah. the first guy to beat Holskin in glory. I'm like, yeah, but Joe won the championship after his Holskin fight. Like, Holskin yeah, got yeah. injured. He had to, and I had to, like, walk him through the history. He was like, oh, okay, well, he was, uh, thank you. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, his, him and Holskin fights were incredible, man. Oh, they yeah. were They were really good. I still think he fought uh, a Holskin that was out of his prime, just out. I think... I think I got the best. Honestly, the best of Holtzkin ended with me. After me, I felt Holtzkin mm-hmm. was never the same. He got that injury, too, right? He was off, out, off for, what, two never years? Never the same. Yeah. Holtzkin, since me, he, I think he stopped taking things as serious. He got older. I think the last of his main fighting was me. After that, he kind of died down. Lost in one a couple times. You know, lost to Dumbe. He even lost to uh, Alim Nabiev, right? Yeah, and didn't he, so, didn't he mean, box as well and then lost a boxing match recently? Like a close yeah, boxing match? Yeah, but to Caleb Smith. Though. That's yeah, Caleb yeah, Smith. Exactly. That, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. You know, that's that's that mm-hmm. to me a loss. That's a win for right. Holtz <laughs> to like go the distance with Caleb yeah, Smith. Exactly. Yeah, that's a win. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, I mean still I think what uh Doombay did in the sport was incredible. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I think should he belong in the UFC? Heck yeah. If you're oh, yeah. a glory champion, you shouldn't even to my opinion, like if you're that confident and ready to fight, go in. If if he, the worst thing that happens is he gets submitted and lost, but Doombay's gonna scrap and it's gonna be one of the exciting fights. You put in a guy who's these oh wow, this guy's got signed, he's five and oh. Doombay has eighty 90 right. kickboxing he's got 40 fights. 40 KOs, 40 plus KOs, right? Like Yeah, he's got ninety professional kickboxing fights. He doesn't he's fighting someone with eight or nine MMA fights. He's in his twenties yeah. still. So why does that guy need and he'll fight with big gloves, small gloves? He knows how to fight. He doesn't need a warm-up. He doesn't need, you know, an easy fight. Put him in there with some of the big fights. He's ready. Well, I told him I'm seeing Dana White next week. I said, give me a highlight that I can show him and like well let's get the let's get the ball rolling here. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's gonna be he a superstar know. in MMA. Like Cedric Dumbe, if if he if he comes out and wins two, three fights, like he's gonna be a superstar instantly. He's got great yeah. charisma, he's he's funny, he's he's smart, he likes to talk smack. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean My the issue yeah. with him is just I don't know, it's gonna be him in that welterweight division dealing with a grappling heavy division. That's the only problem That's that I hate about the welterweights. But you match him up. Like, I, I think eventually you move him up to the point where he fights like a Ponzinibbio. He fights like, there are still some good strikers in the 170-pound division that, oh, yeah. Yeah. that you can get him some cage experience while he continues to learn the grappling game. I mean, look at what they're doing with uh, Alec Pereira next week. They're putting him up against um, Andreas Michalidis, like a guy who's like a pretty good striker, okay grappler, you know, like, I think... I An think average Pereira's MMA guy, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I think Pereira's going to beat him up pretty bad, unfortunately. Well, uh, that uh, let's put let's put a bow on glory. But I mean, yeah, if you haven't seen Verhoeven versus Ben Sadiq, like, do you think Verhoeven's yes. the greatest of all time? To be able to to be the heavyweight champion for eight plus years 
in, in a striking base sport, fi- fighting these behemoths, like that's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, I just think the style of heavyweight kickboxing has changed. So there's a reason why Peter Ertz or Nesto Hoost lost a lot because they'd go in and fight in eight-man tournaments, 16-man tournaments. They would take fights on two, three days' notice. Like, Rico Verhoeven fights two times a year, and he's well-prepared for each, where the old days, those guys fought anywhere, anytime, yeah, as much as possible. <laughs> full, yeah. and, and honestly, like, the lifestyle is different. If you... I'm not going to speak for these guys or mention names, but the lifestyle of a heavyweight kickboxer in Japan was absolutely wild. Yeah, they were smoking ask packs Gary of cigarettes Goodridge, a day. Yeah. Ask Ray Seffo, <laughs> ask Michael McDonald, ask all of those stars how it was in the prime of K1 Japan. I mean, they apparently were a lot of times were partying the day before their events and, you know, going in and fighting and front of crowds so i think it was a different lifestyle back in the days and uh so it's really hard to tell but on paper yeah on paper he definitely is let's talk about uh, the ufc event we had marvin vittori defeating paulo costa um five you know uh, over the course of five rounds unanimous decision 48 46 on all scorecards all rounds scored the same by the judges so uh pretty unanimous across the board you know, a lot of people came at me for saying that when I said that uh, Costa's corner was delusional because entering the fifth round, they said that it was either tied or or he was winning. And I thought, mm-hmm. like, I mean... With that point deduction, too, you think? Yeah, no, or... that's what the coaches yeah. told him. Yeah, with the point deduction. They told him that it was either tied or he was winning. Like, I thought they... And, and listen, Costa fought like he was behind in the fifth round. That was his best round was the fifth round. But uh, second or fifth round, both great rounds for him. But... I mean, I just thought they did him a big disservice. I think they, they needed to tell him that it was like it was do or die time. And I think that had they done that, maybe he would have put his foot on the gas just that much more to get a, a finish over Vittori. Because, I mean, Vittori's not an easy guy to finish. I mean, the guy's, yeah, the guy's yeah. head seems like it's made of cement. Like, the guy's got an amazing chin. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I, I don't know. People were like, oh, I thought Costa won that fight. It's like, well, listen. I mean, you would have had to think. If you thought that Costa that that fight was tied going into the fifth, you would have had to give basically every round to Costa before that, all four rounds. Yeah, because if you take yeah, the point deduction yeah. to, into consideration, and I mean, listen, the first round was pretty clear for Vittori. I thought Costa looked sloppy in the first round, and it took him a little bit of time to get his momentum going. But, uh, yeah, like, you, you have to be delusional to believe that he was up going into the fifth round, and at the very best, it was tied. Yeah, and I mean, from, again... I was a little bit busy on Saturday night, uh, so I really couldn't watch it mm-hmm, fully. Right. But I was literally, and I'm gonna, I, I got to watch the main event while on the bus home from the Arnhem Stadium. We, Todd and I, just had it on the background as I was drinking champagne. So, <laughs> what I saw was Vittori ate some big shots mm-hmm. and was still surprised at the way he was able to come forward. But I found Costa now is. Just relies on one strategy, basically. It's like swing and try to knock you out. There's no more like options for him, you yeah. know. But that's why that's I what think I him found. moving to light heavyweight makes sense. Like light heavyweight is a division where you can get away with that and you can you can do well. Like yeah. look at guys like Dominic Reyes. Look at Yuri Prokhashka. Even though Prokhashka is pretty well rounded, but how's he winning these fights? Like he's winning these fights by putting constant pressure on guys and beating them up. And that's what Costa's good at. And Costa will yeah. be faster at light heavyweight. Like I don't I don't understand why Costa wants to stay at middleweight if he doesn't want to cut a bunch of weight. Just go to go to light heavyweight and cut 10, 15 pounds. Like it's you can still be big and you can still fight the same style that you fight now and be successful. Yeah. Now, from my understanding is he still wants to stay at 185, but Dana White was pretty firm on he's a 205er now. Yeah, but that's the part that I don't understand. Like, why why does he want to stay at 185 when I, like, he, he's got a faster path to the title at 205, in my opinion, because like, we yeah. saw what Israel did to him. Like, do people expect that the fight's going to go differently if he's able, and I mean, he just lost to Vittori. And yeah. after he lost to Vittori, he says he wants to stay at middleweight. Like, I, I just don't understand what his rationale is. And I think that it was just a terrible look all around what he did last week. It's like he, he said he couldn't make 85. Then he said he couldn't make 95. Like, Apparently, he know. didn't even get a contract for 95, that's, he was saying. But Dana White yeah, said yes. and true. I don't know. Well, yeah. But hey, I think maybe a big storyline. But line... his management has the contract. Like, he, he just signs. You think he's, he's looking, reading the yeah. fine print? No. English is a second no. language. They don't give him a Portuguese contract. But it's nice that I think Vittori is getting a lot of uh, praise from the company for the way he handled it. Yeah, and I think he deserves it. Because he showed yeah. up and he was like, I'll fight him at any weight. I don't care. Because a lot of yeah. the time, if you, if you are a middleweight 
and they're trying to like, get you to to move the fight up, if you say no, that fight you probably will get scrapped. He'll probably Costa probably would have gotten on on the scale at 198 pounds or something. Fight gets scrapped, you get your show money, you go home, right? Like, but Vittori's like, no, I'm not leaving without a fight. If you remember what happened to him in 2020, he was scheduled to fight Carl Roberson. And Roberson like was was way overweight. Like it yeah, seemed then he almost week. fought with him in the yeah. In he almost the, fought with him in the lobby because he he, yeah, he does a whole camp. He shows up. He wants to compete. And then the guy does, sure. you know the guy the fight gets scratched and it makes everything makes Vittori angry. But that also makes Vittori angry. <laughs> yeah. Now what was the damage on Paulo Costa's purse? Forty percent. Twenty was that... only twenty percent, which I think is twenty percent yeah. of show. 20%. Or would it have been of if he say he won the fight? Is it twenty percent total? Twenty percent total, I believe. Yeah. Okay. And then no option for bonus. Yeah, no option for bonus. No. They didn't give him a bonus anyway. They gave twenty percent. Yeah, that's that's not right. It almost needs a tier system, you know, like five pounds. It's twenty percent. You know, if you're over five pounds, twenty percent. Well, what's but, twenty pounds? Twenty pounds should be a disqualification, and uh, you get three I losses on your record. 40. I guess forty <laughs> percent yeah. at least. Yeah, at least forty percent. But Man, I think like, Vittori was huge. being protective. Like I think Vittori wanted the fight so badly that he was willing to like concede to just say he, yes. He, he was like, no, I'm going to take part of your purse because he was doing interviews. He was like, no, I'm I'm getting part of your purse, buddy. Because Costa's like, I shouldn't be penalized for this. <laughs> like, what are you talking yeah, about, dude? Yeah. But I mean, like even even guys like when people are like, oh, you should stay at two hundred five. Like from one eighty five to two hundred five, that's twenty pounds of muscles big. Do you yeah. know, like that's a big lot of difference. So I mean. If you ask me to stand in front of a middleweight, I'm like, they're massive, you know? So I could see why a lot of guys are hesitant to just want to move up. But I also praise guys who do it so easily. So, I mean, it's a, it's a tough – if anything, it's probably more psychological with, within the fighters being like, man, like like just me thinking about someone being 20 pounds of muscle mm-hmm. bigger, like that's huge, you know? Yeah. So it's Vittori probably all mental. Vittori just yeah. didn't care, it seems, and good on him. I think he really raised his stock and – I've always liked Marvin Vittori and, and the way that he approaches MMA. Like, I've always thought he was a, a pretty smart guy. I thought that he, him thinking that he had beaten Israel was a little bit delusional at the time. But I also mentioned, I mentioned this to him during our interview, and he refused to answer it. I, you know what? He, he did a terrible interview with me last week, and uh, him and I usually have very good interviews. But I, I came to realize that the reason why he was so angry was because, like, he had found out that morning that Costa wasn't going to make weight, and, like, none of this was known at the time that I spoke to him. Okay. So I mentioned to him, like, when you're in the fight with Israel, you know, people were critical of you because you thought that you won the fight afterwards. But when you're in it, it's hard to, like, know whether you're winning or losing. It's not like he got knocked down or anything, you know. Is that true? Like, you could probably speak on that. Yeah, no, it's definitely true. A lot of times, you're like, how did I do? Like, you're so out of it. Like, sometimes you're so in the zone, like, you don't even know what you landed or what you threw or moments in the fight. You just don't really know. So... I mean, you can get a good feeling. You're like, you, you kind of know, but when they're close, you really don't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really tough. But I don't think I've ever really been in a situation or a fight where it was ever close where I felt that way. It's usually I either knocked them out. Like, remember, of my 12 wins, you know, 10 were by knockout. Right. And the two that I went to decision with, I dominated. Mm-hmm. So I never really had a close fight. The only close one would have been my Holtzkin fight, but I ended up getting dropped at the end. And the robbery that, loss you got, the the decision robbery. Uh, I don't know if it was a robbery. Okay, I thought, you, I thought was, you called it a robbery. I haven't seen the fight. <laughs> I, I lost based probably on Muay Thai oh, rules. Oh, the elbows. That's what it was, yeah. If it was kickboxing rules, I probably would have won. Mm-hmm. Because my boxing, my combinations, I was landing more. He was just clinching and elbowing me. So one elbow versus me landing four or five strikes. Right. Yeah. Now, come on. Let's go. Let's be real. Okay, Kickboxing so, so you rules did, wins. So you do think it was a robbery. But again, that was my <laughs> – yeah. No, that, that was my sixth professional fight in Gregory mm-hmm. Choplin's 70th. Yeah. That was my first elbow fight. He had multiple world titles with elbows. So mm-hmm. to me, Guilty not bad. Yeah. Not you know, I still hate it. Yeah. But uh, I'm a better kickboxer than him for sure. It's like Holskin with uh, Callum Smith. Yeah. Now, even <laughs> me and Holskin. If I was yeah. fresh, I don't think he – he didn't even like my low kicks in the second fight. Imagine my low kicks were fresh and I didn't have two bruised ribs and two black eyes and fought 20 minutes before him with mm-hmm. only 11 fights in my career when he had 100. Right. Okay, Holskin. Mm-hmm. Take take it for how you want it. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have on that card? I mean, the, the rest of the card was was kind of uneventful, to be honest. Uh, there's not a whole lot to talk about. I, I mean, David Onama had a wonderful debut. I thought he looked great on short notice against Mason Jones, and now he's going to fight at featherweight, where I think he's going to be a total beast. So uh, kudos to him. Jeff Molina, I think, got totally robbed of a, of a bonus. He looked fantastic against Daniel Lacerda. 
Um, so kudos to uh, Jeff Molina. I think that guy's a rising star who will one day compete for the uh, the flyweight championship. Now, uh, let me hear the story behind Bruce Leroy. Apparently, he took a, an illegal knee and then came back and ended up winning. Yeah, so basically, Sung Woo Choi drops him in the first and uh, gets on top of him. He's landing big strikes. Caceres goes to get up, and Choi hits him with like a blatantly illegal knee. Um, like worse than the Sanhagen knee? Uh, you mean uh, Jan? Uh, sorry, the Jan, the Jan I Sterling knee? I don't know if it was quite that bad because Caceres, I believe, was like getting up. I can't remember it 100%. Because I've seen so many replays of that yawn knee this week from researching. From <laughs> yeah, there. yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think it was quite as bad. But either way, illegal knee, he, t- he takes a point. Usually for an illegal knee, if the fighter's going to continue, you'll get a point taken. Yeah. So uh, they took the point. Cazares was kind of rocked, but he got his wits about him. And then in the second round, like, the one way that Choi loses that fight is to let Cazares grapple with him. Like, that, we've seen how good Cazares is. But then uh, Cazares, he, you know, got into a grappling um, exchange with him, managed to get his back. Uh, from, like, standing. He tried to take him down. Choi ga- basically gave up his back. Caceres jumped on his back and, and, and tapped him. Yeah, well, that's impressive. So good on I, him. Mean... I think he's, what, won five in a row now? Like, this is a guy who had one of the more inconsistent UFC careers. It could never get any traction. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up his page here. And I assume he was a big underdog. Yeah, five in a row. Good for him. Yeah, he was a pretty – he was a two-to-one underdog uh, plus at Plus 225, I see yeah. him here. So, like, if you yeah. look at his career, he starts in the UFC – he started, started really early in the UFC because he was on the Ultimate Fighter. So he lost his first two, Mack and Samurzier and Jimmy Hedis. Shout out to Jimmy Hedis, one of the, uh, one of the guys I, I used to love watching. I don't know what happened to that guy. Cole Escovedo, he beat, and then like, it was just like loss, win-win, no contest, win-win, loss, 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 win-win, loss, loss, win, loss, win, loss, and then five in a row. So it's just Impressive. like total inconsistency. And then uh, now he's been able to find that consistency that he's lacked in his career. So good on him. And pretty good wins, too. Win over Steven Peterson, Chase Hooper, Austin Springer, Kevin Kroom, and Sung Woo Choi. Like, those are, those are pretty good wins. They're not, like, top-level guys, but they're guys that are, are, are probably at the level that he needs to beat. And he probably has, what, at least close to 20 UFC fights oh, by now? Yeah, probably. He's 19. and Yeah, he def- I think he has at least 20 because he started in the UFC when he was 5-2. and two, And uh, he's now... 19, 12, and 1. Whoa. Yeah, so at least 20 fights. More than 20 Jeez. fights. He's at 32 fights in total. Okay, well, here, let's just do quick math. 32 in total, and outside of the UFC, he had 7. So, yeah, he's at 25 UFC fights. Whoa. Yeah, quick. Yeah. And how old is he? I don't even think he's that old. Is he? He's I would say early 30s. Yeah, 33. Okay. Young, he was pretty young when young he started. Young cat. Yeah. Trinaldo still doing the thing. His brother was actually at my gym about a month ago. Really? Trinaldo's brother? What was he doing in Toronto? Uh, his brother lives in Toronto, I believe. Hmm. There's uh, a gym out here where Andre Dita's brother runs. Oh, and yeah. And there's yeah. a few Brazilians. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Trinaldo's brother, just uh, one of my fighters who's fighting in BTC coming up, uh, brought used to train there and then brought uh, – I can't remember what the brother's name was. He got but, like 68 uh, years old and ripped. <laughs> uh, I think he was. I don't know if he was. He looked. He didn't look as old as Francisco. So I, I'm assuming the younger brother. He didn't look as mean either. He looked more friendly. Speaking of BTC, but, Sarah Kaufman in the main event that came out. Of I saw that. Yeah. yeah, good on them. Yeah. Good signing. Uh, they're just having trouble getting Maddie's special fight on there. Nobody wants to fight him, so that's been frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, Matt can get uh, get a fight soon. Yeah, he's Matt, been we're... on the shelf for almost two years. Yeah, or maybe more corona. than two years at this point. I think it's, yeah, it's, you were at the last one, right? Yeah, it was right. just that was so like, slow. This, that was like, what, December of 20, 2019. So it's yeah, coming up on two years. Too slow. We but everything's kind of opening active. up again, so hopefully uh, they can get an opportunity soon. Yeah, well, that's what we're banking on. Uh, what, uh, else? what else was there? Oh, Jessica Rose Clark I saw, a friend of mine. She ended up getting the win after a knee surgery. Yeah, mostly wrestling-based uh, approach from uh, Jessica Rose Clark, which was surprising. Um we also uh, saw Fedor get a win against Tim Johnson. Smoked yeah, Tim Johnson in one. the first round at age 45. Tim Johnson's like the number two ranked, just fought for the interim title against a training partner yeah. of Fedor's, and and that guy couldn't finish him. And Fedor yeah, old finished, school style too. And look, uh, that was a, yeah, that was like a vintage Fedor knockout. It was awesome. Yeah, two three punches put together, hit the first one, follow it up, and it was uh, it was nice to see. It was happening I mean, at the exact same time as the Rico fight. It made me angry. As a one was it? Both. Yeah, I had two okay. laptops going in my TV. That's funny. I, I don't even know these days how to do it. 
it's like oh, it's just endless to watch all the oh, stuff. I think there's boxing me, coming up too. Apparently, there's something that you can add to your TV. Some guy sent sent me a, uh, a picture. It's like a twenty five dollar thing that gives you four screens on your big screen TV. You can pull up really? four different things. Okay. Sounds yeah. Good to me. Share that for me then. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if I need to buy like four fire sticks to do that or whatever, but you know. <laughs> picture in picture yeah, exactly. is not good enough anymore. Uh, so geez. that was that was surprising. So yeah, Fedor, good good on him. I like uh, Fedor should continue fighting. I mean, if you're gonna if you can find if he's able to beat the number two guy or whatever number two number three whatever he was at Bellator in the Bellator rankings, like you can keep giving him top guys to fight. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I was wondering. I was like, does a performance like that leave you off as? Let's go with positivity out that we got an ending like this, or is this like, hey, I can still go, yeah, you know? Knowing Bader. these yeah. Russians, I think is we're gonna we're gonna go again. I have a feeling we'll oh, see him in another again. organization. You can't go. You, you like going out like that would be big, but like, yeah, you look good, and he loves yeah. doing it, right? Didn't take but then what happens damage. now if the cycle continues? Then the next one he gets knocked out. Then it's like, do I end on the knockout or do we have to do one more? And then Has it's he like, Czech Congo yet? That's who. I was listening to uh, one of the other journalists talk about it, and Czech Congo is one of the names that came up. I was yeah. like, that's actually a pretty I mean, Czech good fight. Congo's probably his age. Or I think and Czech he's Congo in his 40s, too. Yeah. I don't know. That would be scary. I think Czech Congo might beat him, too. Let's see. I don't think he's, I don't think he's fought Congo. No, he's never fought Czech Congo. How old is Czech Congo? Let's see. Czech Congo is I'm going 42. 46. He's older than Fedor. 46? Yeah. Czech Congo is 46 years old. Dude, Czech wow. Congo was old when he was in the UFC. Wow. Like, he's Yeah, he's an old guy. He's older than Fedor. He's probably the oldest active fighter. <laughs> yeah, he's got to be up there. Arlovsky was what the other day? Arlovsky's 43? early 40s, yeah. 42, 43? Yeah, like, wow, yeah. Czech Congo. Yeah. The oldest active. And he still fights, what, once a year maybe, if that? Czech, yeah. Probably. He still fights once, once, sometimes twice a year. Wow. Like, how many times has he fought in Bellator in the last? 46 years old. That's insane. Yeah. No, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but look yeah. at the shape that the guy's in. That that's the part that's crazy. He yeah, doesn't have any a, body fat on him at like forty six. To have abs like that. So since twenty eighteen, so in the last three years, he's fought one, two, three, four, five, six times. So he's like fighting twice a year. Jeez. Twenty twenty one and twenty twenty are the only times he's only fought. And once ha- a year. are they some of them wins, losses, back and yeah, forth? Yeah, mostly wins. Since twenty eighteen, he is four, one, and one no contest. Four one. That's very good. Yeah. His only loss was a split to Timothy Johnson, who just got knocked out by uh, by Fedor. Impressive. Yeah. I'm still sad we never got to see Fedor with some big UFC fights, but uh, I know he still had a fantastic career the way he went about it. Well, Cormier said recently that uh, I think he said that Fedor would have been an average heavyweight in 2012 if he had joined the UFC. Yeah, I, I heard him say that. It's hard to tell. Who yeah, knows? Hard to know. You're also saying it from a guy who was in the division and dominated it yeah. right and he wants to be known as one of the best and i think it's honestly like uh fedor almost has like the Badr-Hari presence where it's like you'll never really know mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah. oh it's like even if you fight him now but it's like well in the prime it's like well you never really know yeah. so i mean he, i think he's by far the best guy to never compete in the ufc yeah i would say so i mean i would it, say so what was his win streak at heavyweight 25 like then we talked about rico earlier with his eight years as the eight plus years as the champion, but uh, I mean Fedor with like twenty five straight heavyweight fights. Although a lot of people question the uh, legitimacy of Pride, but uh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, UFC two sixty seven coming up this weekend. I love this card. There are so many good prospects on this card that, that we need to watch, and uh, I think there are several guys that could get title shots in the, in the future that are on like the undercard of this event. Um, I'm I'm really stoked to watch this event. I'm uh, you know it's in, it's in the morning. Unfortunately, in Canada, it's a pay per view. It's not available for free, uh, like it is stateside. But uh, yeah, two titles on the line: Jan Blachowicz versus Glover Teixeira, and uh, interim bantamweight championship: Piotr Jan versus Corey Sandhagen. And back in uh, Abu Dhabi as well, which yep. is fight uh, island. Mm-hmm. the fight island. But uh, I'm just disappointed. It's a little too early for me because I coach on Saturdays at 10:30. That's when my fu- my class starts. But what time so, are you done? Um, I will make it for – I'll be home just for, for the start of the main card. Okay. So whatever. Then just, you just for the start. Which watch, is okay. Uh, when I'm looking at the earlier. prelims, there's a few I might want to go back and watch. Like I like Ricardo Ramos. I'll probably have to go watch uh, Amir uh, Makwan there. Oh, Makwan, I like Amir to watch. Connie. Yeah. Yeah. Murphy I like too. So there's a few guys I'll probably go. and Or if I hear some big news, I'll have to go back and watch them. 
well, some guys to put on your radar. Tagir Ulanbekov was in the first fight, uh, trains under Khabib, big uh, up-and-coming flyweight prospect. Demir okay. Ismagulov has some of the best boxing you'll see in, uh, in MMA. He's from Kazakhstan um, and just has awesome hands. He's not much of a finisher, but uh, he's against Magomed Mustafayev, the guy who knocked out, um, what's the dude's name? Uh, Fiziev, Raphael Fiziev, Mustafayev knocked him out in the first round of Fiziev's hmm. UFC debut. The guy's got big power. Uh, Andre Petrovsky looked good on the content, on uh, the Ultimate Fighter. He's facing Hu right. Yaozong. They kind of gave him a bit of a layup fight, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, like you mentioned, Amir Khani against Lerone Murphy. Murphy looking great out of the UK. Murphy's awesome, while, yeah. Was supposed to face Charles Jordan. Uh, Michael Oleksiejczyk, this guy's uh, all action, big hands. He's a light heavyweight who could probably make middleweight. He's really fast, has fast I hands. I remember seeing him, yeah. yeah Shamil Gam- uh, Gamzatov is a good prospect as well. Uh, Zaleski Dos Santos, always fun and exciting against uh, newcomer uh, Benoit Saint-Denis. Uh, Albert Duraev was the guy on Contender Series who just absolutely mauled his opponent. And um, he's getting his debut quickly against Roman Kopolov. Duraev, I think, has massive upside in the sport. Um, I think if he, if he can beat Kopolov, I think that's going to come to fruition. And uh, Ricardo Ramos, like you mentioned, against Zubaira Tehugov, who trains uh, under Khabib, has good hands, good takedowns. Um, and uh, Amanda Hibash taking on... Uh, Jandijoba, which is it seems uh, like all fight. the Khabib Russian team is all the, the favorites going into oh, yeah. them. You, you can yeah. just parlay all those guys together, just yeah. Like, just parlay every any any last name that ends with a V, and yeah. you'll probably do well. Yeah, you've got yeah. thumbs out on the main of main card, Magomed and Kalayev on the on the main card. Oh man, it's the main card's awesome. The main card is phenomenal. I'm honestly, I'm a little nervous with all these Dagestani coming in. I'm scared that the whole champions, the divisions, we're all going to be. Dagestani champions. So well, Ankalaev, future champion, I would say. Shamayev, if he can pick up from where he left off, is certainly in the is going to be in the conversation. Um, you know, Makhachev. They're saying Khabib recently said he thinks Makhachev is a top ten pound for pound guy in the sport. I mean, we'll have to see how he does against yeah. Dan Hooker. Is going to be by by far, I think, his toughest opponent to date. Minus six fifty favorite though yeah, for Makhachev. That's crazy. I think, I think that's bigger than he was against Moises, which is like pretty unbelievable. Um, so yeah, and Ulan Bekov, I don't know too much about, but I'm I'm eager to see how he does. Well, it's uh, scary to see, and let yeah. me tell you that much. Yeah, well, we'll see. Let this me is, tell you that much. This is a fun card, very fun card. So now let's. Uh, you want to start with the main card yeah. here? Aaron? Well, let's talk about the main event, like Jan Blahovich against Glover. Uh, I mean, if Glover can pull this off, it's going to be one of the great stories, I think, in MMA. He came to the UFC when he was like 32, and he's been hanging around. He got a title shot when he was kind of in his prime against John Jones. Um, and now he's taking on Blahovich, and I, I give him a good chance here. I, I think that uh, if Glover can can uh, you know take some of Jan's best stuff in the first, if he can, all he needs to do is secure a takedown in this fight, and you know, who knows what happens. Yeah. Why do you think Jan is uh, basically three to one favorite? Well, I think people look at Glover's age. They look at the fact that Jan beat Israel. Like that's that's massive for his stock. Um, so it's like all of those different factors. You know, I just think it's, yeah. it's you know, this is kind of like the stock market, not to mention that Glover hasn't fought in over a year, right? So there's all these little things that are going into it, and the public shift the line. And what did the line open at? It probably opened pretty similar to where it's at now. Blahovic opened as a, only on my, minus 190 favorite. So he's been steamed up almost a 3-1. to one. Yeah, and it seems like uh, the odds are going more with uh, Blahovic. No, actually, no, not being it's, similar. It's kind of, yeah, it's, it's going more. In, in recent days, it's actually gone up a lot. Uh, or a, a fair amount in his favor. The average odds were in the minus 260 range for months, basically, and now it's the average odds are minus 295. So money's coming in on Jan. Uh, I'm just trying to look at here. Is there any over-under picks that uh, you see for that? I like Glover by sub. as a, That's going to be my dark play for the week. Glover by sub is plus 750. Yeah, oh, that could be nice. I will play that. Uh, uh, what are they? What are they looking at over and under in rounds usually? What so seems it's over. They, they, they set it at two and a half for the okay. over under, and it's basically even money at two, over under two and a half. I would think over two and a half. No, I would too. I would too. These guys are both very durable, but it's also light heavyweights, right? So I don't have a strong feel. Usually, that's what I like to look at is over unders. Like in Jan Sandhagen, I like the fight doesn't go the dis- go to a decision is minus one hundred five. Like, I think that one could end inside the distance. They, they, both of them are just such potent finishers and, and such good. They're so good everywhere that, like, you, you got to imagine that if one of these guys slips, you can see a finish in this fight. Yeah, I mean, I think the stylistic difference between that Coleman event will be the biggest difference. 
I think Jan is just that forward pressure. Like he's just so good at closing. I think he can catch Corey, but then you know Corey can catch you with the knees. So I like that. And no if, decision. Yeah, if he takes Corey down. Corey's dangerous off his back too. Like yeah. these guys. I think somebody. Some I saw I like somebody that. tweet uh, recently. I'm trying to remember who it was saying like who are the most well-rounded fighters in the UFC. If you look at like guys that are that are really good at like grappling, have good power, have good cardio, um, have good wrestling. You know, basically everything. And I named both of these guys, Jan and Sanhagen. They just don't have very many holes in their games. Yeah. I mean, Jan, I don't really know how he is on the ground. I mean, have we seen much of it? Has he been more of uh, stand-up performances, right? Well, no, Jan's, Jan's uh, a really high-level wrestler. And we've seen him get taken. He was, he was throwing Aljamain Sterling around. And Aljamain Sterling has, like, a great wrestling pedigree. And he was now, tri- using leg trips on, uh, on, on Sterling, picking him up and dropping him. Like, Jan's got really good wrestling. I actually think that, that could be the X factor for him in this fight. But, again, yeah. Sanhagen off his back is dangerous. Yeah, I mean, with those Granby rolls and stuff like that, I think he needs to be a little bit more careful here. But, uh, yeah, Sanhagen I'm excited for it. Sanhagen by sub is plus 1,200. Like, it's another one that you got to look at. He's just he's able to do it. But Jan yeah, doesn't have I've... much of a neck. That's the problem. Like, Jan's very <laughs> compact. Zero neck, yeah. No, I like Jan's style. I think, and he's just confident. That Russian confidence, I like. Mm-hmm. He's a master of sport and boxing, and he's just—he's so good at everything. Like I, like I think the line is where it should be. He's about a minus two fifty favorite, and I think Sanhagen taking it on short notice. Uh, not to mention that uh, Piotr Jan. Uh, I mean, most people would would think that he was he was dominating that fight against Sterling, right? So like, what has Jan? What 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 would show you that Jan's going to lose this fight, right? Like, there's not a lot of evidence. Yeah. And I put out a tweet yesterday that got a lot of traction that in the last 500, like after this event, in 511 days, Sanhagen will have fought Piotr Jan, Marlon Moraes, Frankie Edgar, TJ Dillashaw, and Aljamain Sterling in that span of days. Wow, like, that's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty unbelievable. Yeah, confident, student of the game. I just, I mean, I just loved watching even the the, the embedded series. Just he's a good guy. He's coaching the kids still. He's just... I don't know. He's got he's got the, that attitude and the hard work mentality I like, so I'll support him. You watch the countdown show? I do, yeah. yeah. I like the so Did you see Piotr Jan's basically like the leader of the pack? He's like, We're done here. Remember they were eating? <laughs> he's like, yeah, Okay, yeah. we're done. I liked it all. <laughs> Get up and leave. That's when I was watching the the training and this is why I was like I was unsure who I was kinda like leaning towards, but after watching the con- the countdown and I like Jan. I'm 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 leaning like more heavily that Jan gets it done but within the Jan distance. Jan inside pay? Because that's interesting to me. Jan inside the distance is plus 175. Like, that's probably the best value you're going to find on that fight. Yeah, no, I, think, I like that. I think that at a time, you're going to see Jan go body. You're going to see Jan find openings. That's probably... That being said, like, you could also take Sanhagen at plus 220 and Jan inside and, like, hope that you get both of those. Like, if both of those hit, you're going to be up. I think, yeah, you'll be up. Yeah, well, so, it's an know. exciting one. Which uh, of the two title fights are you more excited for? The main event. I, like, I, I just want to see Glo- if Glover can do it. Like, that's the thing that... That's I, the storyline for I think that Jan and Sanhagen will be a better or? fight. Like, Jan and Sanhagen I'm more excited for in terms of, like, how the fight's going to be. But I'm more excited to see the outcome of the main event, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, and I, honestly, I mean, it sounds so, like, amateurish. But uh, just because <laughs> I was hanging out with Glover a couple months ago... And just having a few drinks with him and socializing and hanging out with him, it was. Uh, I'm just now biased towards hanging out with him, just knowing how nice he was. I'm sure Jan's just as nice, but I never got to hang out with him, so I have to support Glover, and especially with Pereira being there with him. Well, I'm I'm eager to see how uh, those fights go, and of course you've got Dan Hooker against Makhachev. Hooker taking the fight kind of on short notice as well. He fought just a couple of weeks ago, stuck around uh, Vegas, and now has made the trip to Abu Dhabi to face uh, Islam Makhachev. Um, I'm curious to know the over/under on this one. Well, it's fight goes to a decision is minus 125, and fight doesn't go to a decision is about plus 100. So they think it's going to be most likely Makachev by decision. Most likely Makachev by decision, but you look at the Makachev props, and Makachev by sub is plus 240, and that's how Makachev's been winning all of his fights, right? Uh, yeah, Makachev by submission plus 240. I see. Yeah, that's probably the way I would go with it. Makachev uh, by decision is minus 115. What's Makashev just by any finish? Inside the distance, uh, plus 150. That's kind of that's not bad. I don't see him getting a knockout over Dan Hooker. You think just pure domination? 
Yeah, I think he'll take him down. Or, he'll, he'll fish for a sub. Like, he's very aggressive at looking for subs. That's the big difference between him and Khabib. Khabib was more about, like, raining down punches, imposing his will, and then, like, then finding a sub or, or, or punching you out. Whereas Makhachev is, is very tricky with his subs. Yeah, this is almost a, a fight I'd want to not really bet on. It seems like it's a, a tough one. It might be a trap. Yeah, could well, be Hooker the trap. Well, Hooker by KO is plus 1,100, right? Like, uh, yeah. you know. But, I mean, like, you could do that or, like, I don't, just, I don't know. I just know how tough Dan Hooker is, so it's kind of – but we know how good Makashev is. So can he get the finish? Can Hooker we, – we, we have a feeling he's going to lose a decision if it goes there, but can he last that long? But, again, I don't know. I'm a city kickboxing guy too, so I'm uh, a little biased with it too. But I hope Dan Hooker can get it done. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can. I'm just uh, I just hate the the story I'm hearing with him in COVID and not going home and not seeing his family and him being away for like months just to make this happen. It's yeah. it's, it's crazy. Well, he was but... supposed to go home after that Vegas fight and then they asked him if he wanted to face Islam and he was like he called his wife. He's like I'm fighting Islam and she's like okay. <laughs> like yeah, it doesn't seem okay, like he's sure. that beaten up about it. Yeah, hopefully they pay the man well. Hopefully they're paying the man well. Well, it seems like he's going to be moving stateside. Like that's that's the indication that I get. Well, Seems like it's the the move right now, and I heard Izzy's doing the same. I think yeah. they're going to well, try to make the whole make team the... is planning on moving somewhere. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, they, it doesn't seem like these uh, like they're changing much in New Zealand. Although they have, I think I read recently, at least a month or so ago, that New Zealand are starting to come to terms with the fact that there are going to be cases in the country. But yeah. uh, I think that might have that might be done too. Like I, I think because the cases are kind of slowing down globally, that uh, maybe they're they're going to go back to what their old system was. But who knows? Um, Hamza Shemaev is a minus 550 favorite over Yi Jinglang. Um, Yi is a plus 425 underdog. I mean, this is, I think, by far the toughest test that Shemaev's had to date. I think that, that Jinglang is uh, a legit, you know, top 15 guy at welterweight. So to see him have these kind of odds, I, I guess that the public is probably pretty convinced that he's going to just get back to his old ways. Yeah, well, I mean, Li Jinglang, is, isn't he more striking-based? Yeah. And we've seen how dominant... Hazmat could be with his grappling. So I think that's the storyline there. He'll probably just really out-grapple him. Well, I'm going to see how many times Jing, Jing Lang's been taken down. I'm pulling up his stats. So he got taken down four times by Neil Magny. So that's probably not a good sign. And twice by Jake Matthews, who yeah. used to fight at 55. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just going to be heavy mauling, throwing to the ground, and just pound you out. Yeah. yeah I could see what do that. you think? Inside the distance... Well, what's Shemayev? Shemayev inside the distance pays minus 175. There's not a ton of value there. Your, your best no. bet is probably to go KO at Pick plus 150 or sub at plus 225. What about within the first round? Shemayev round one? Yeah. What's... Shemayev round one is plus 170. Not bad. Can he get it done that quick? I think he, yeah, I I think he, I think he can. I think this he's is, one of those guys that totally wants to finish stay away quick. From. I might just totally stay away from this one because it's, it's, it's iffy. Like I, yeah. I just would like to see what he looks like after what he had, what he had gone through, especially against a guy as tough as Jing Lang. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I think there's a lot of factors there, but mm-hmm. uh, I still think uh, Shamayev does it. I, I, I think he's so, the how confident he is. Like we talked about, that mindset he has is indestructible. So I think he still get it. He, I don't think he'll put himself in the situation if he wasn't going to be. So I'm gonna give it uh, the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Alexander Volkov's a minus 300 favorite against Marcin Taibura, who's plus 230. I think those odds make uh, a lot of sense. Magomed Ankalaev, minus 310 against Uzdemir, who's plus 250. Uh, I've said this time and time again that I think is going to be a champion in this division. Um, I think that if you look at Ankalaev inside, is, is minus 105. And Ankalaev by decision is plus 195. So it, I guess the question is, can he get the finish? But I, I would lean towards yes. I think that he should be able to find a finish during this fight. Yeah, yeah, I... I don't think they're doing Ozdemir any favor by giving him, but uh, we know how tough Vulcan is. So well, Vulcan's won see. fights against guys like as as an underdog in this situation several times. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough one. I I just it's these fights either scare me because a good heavy hitter like Ozdemir is going to have to be so cautious and it's going to slow him down so much that I don't love these fights, but it'll be fun. It's a good one. I think Uzdemir is training back in Switzerland again, though. Like, I'm not sure where he... I don't think he's been training with Henry Hooft anymore. No, I heard he left or something yeah, like that. So Last fight or something. Yeah, so, so that, that worries me as well. Uh, sure. he's, he was usually with um, 
Gustafson's team, Super, what are they called oh, out Sweden. there? It, aren't they there? At the, Isn't, where, where Hamzad is, I forget what they're called. Yeah, all what's stars that called? All-Stars. All-Stars? All-Stars. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that's where he was originally, no? Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. I'd have to go and I look. Could be making stuff up. but uh, Makes sense he'd be there. On his Instagram page. He should be there. It'd probably be the best European team with all the, the big boys there. That's true. Yeah, for, especially if, exactly for guys that are around his size that he can train with. Um, all right. Uh, Amanda Hibash minus 165 against Virna Jandijoba, who's plus 130. I think that's great value on Hibas. On Hibas there? Well, she's not going to get knocked out by Jandijoba, and I think she's going to have a big striking advantage in that one. So by decision... Well, what's the KO prop in that one? I don't think he's going pretty tough. Like, the decision for, yeah, plus 125 by Hibash by decision, I think there's there's good value there. Like, I, unless Jandy Joba is able to take her down and get a sub, because Jandy Joba is so high level on the ground. That's mm-hmm. plus 1,200 for Jandy Joba by sub, though. Whew! That's, it's almost <laughs> like put a couple bucks are, on it. Those are pretty, those are pretty uh, interesting odds right there. There yeah, are a lot of good darts on this on card. That. Yeah. These props, I mean, you've been hitting the props well. That's, that's why I'm kind of now. That's why with these picks now, I'm asking you these. I'm, I'm picking your brain with props, like over, under. That's why I'm well, secretly kind of writing down some of your your picks here. Where I do my best work, I can pull up my spreadsheet here, is my, my darts. So if, if you look at See, my... See, already I like that. The fact that you have a spreadsheet for your picks, that, yeah. that's why I'm sold on you, Aaron. You're going to make us big bucks. So if you if you took all my picks over the course of the years, I, and I didn't account for last week's, you're, you'd be up $300 if you bet $100 on... Or $200. Oh, I love that you're doing that. If you bet $200 on every one of my picks... You'd be two hundred. Why do you pick two hundred? That's just why? like a, it's an arbitrary unit number. That's what gamblers use two hundred or like people. You can just pick a unit number. So you just you put it in hypothetical. So let's say you okay. bet twenty dollars on every one of them. You'd be up thirty dollars over the course of the year, which is not good. I mean, you don't want to. Yeah. But no, if you bet on my dart picks, the return on investment is four hundred and thirty-three percent. Jeez. So if you had bet, if you had bet uh, fifty, I think it was if you had bet fifty dollars. On all of my dark plays, you'd be up thirty-five hundred and seventy-five dollars over the course of the year. Jeez. Yeah. All right. So give me the three dart picks of this week. Well, I don't have them yet. That's the problem. Oh, okay. But one Sorry. of them will be Glover by submission. I'm getting excited. Okay. Yurna by submission might be one of them. I have to take a look at that one because I don't know if I don't know if what Hibosh's uh, BJJ credentials are. I think they're pretty high, but I don't think they're quite what Virna's is what Virna's are. I think this will probably end up being more of a striking battle. Um, so I'm not I'm not too sold on that one. Um, Ankalaev round three. What does that pay? That was one that I was thinking about as well. Ankalaev wins in round three is plus a thousand. So that might be one of them as well. Uh, I might throw one on that. I feel like the prelims will give you some nice some nice dart picks more than those main. I don't know that main card. It's like. It's I'm, I'm getting torn on so many of those fights, but these prelims because you don't know a lot of these guys and these Russians could be better than you probably know them better than most people. So it's kind of nice to know if they can get the finish or not. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at like a couple round props, like Duryev round two is of interest to me. I've just got I've got to take a look and before I make any sort of uh, official picks. Well, there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of people riding with you now, Aaron. So no, you got to no. make sure you you think it through. People's finances are on the line. <laughs> Well, we're about to wrap up. I know you've got to get going. Just going to bring a, a couple quick notes. Uh, Mike Perry has signed with uh, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. Yeah, I just saw that this morning. Yeah, I tweeted yesterday. I didn't see this coming, but I probably should have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of his boxing training he's been doing. And uh, I feel like uh, it, it, when they made Bare Knuckle Fighting, the first person I thought about, Mike Perry, will be there eventually. So yeah, there he is. A little bit sooner than I would have thought, but I'm sure they're paying him a lot of money. Like I would imagine that they're going to be giving him six figures a fight. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, we got we got the PFL tonight too, which we didn't talk about. The P, the end of the PFL tournament. Clarissa is, Shields back. Clarissa Shields is back. If you want to dart for tonight, Montez by submission is plus twelve hundred. Like over Clarissa Shields. Over Clarissa Shields, like that, I would throw a dart at the board on that one. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Shields grappling looked very rudimentary in that last fight, and Montez has, I believe, one submission win, or or maybe it was ground and pound. But she she I watched her her one her one of her two fights, and she knows what she's doing on the ground. So mm, I don't know. Yeah, they, yeah, they that, not bad. One. They want to throw a dart. Not on that bad one. at all. Um, and Kayla Harrison, obviously, in yeah. the main event. I think if you parlay, like I would parlay comfortably parlay um, Harrison inside the like Harrison. Inside the distance, what, is, what yeah. does that pay? 
Harrison KO is plus 1,200. Harrison submission. Like, I would I would parlay Harrison submission, which is plus 100. I can't, I'm shocked it's that low. Um, with um, Magomed, Magomed Karimov, uh, Movlid Khaibalaev, and that pays plus 340. Like, that's kind of what I'm looking at. I think those are, like, the most certain things on the, on the uh, card. I actually thought the fight was yesterday, and I was upset that I missed it. Nope, you're good. It's tonight. So TSN. I was like, woo. Yeah. I think we're on TSN 5 tonight for the main card. There we go. And so, I tried. Yeah. I missed a little bit of the Dana White show last night, but uh, it seemed like there was a lot of finishes as well. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a pretty good night uh, for the Dana White. We saw some really vicious finishes. So uh, the, the knee bar in the uh, main event was... That's was, the one I saw yeah, there, nasty. That was particularly yeah. 13-0, he's going to be a, a scary contender for sure. Yeah, so uh, any other big stories that I'm, I'm forgetting about uh, here, Joe? I'm trying to think. There was also the situation uh, where one guy, where um, I'm trying to remember the fighter's name from Israel, called Javed Basharat a terrorist at the weigh-ins. That was a... Oh, Oron Kalon from Israel called him a terrorist at the weigh-ins. Wow. That was not a good look. He had missed weight. He, first, he missed weight, and then he called him, a, and then he called him a terrorist afterwards. Yeah, my mental warfare. Yeah, but not. I mean, <laughs> terrible. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, be a little bit more careful with uh, what you're what you're saying because that guy got absolutely destroyed by you know in, in the actual fight, and it seemed like the guy was just prolonging the fight for as long as possible to make this guy miserable. Yeah. yeah. But hey, all is, all is fair in love and war. I guess is that what the That's expression it. is. Yeah, say I spoke, what you want. I spoke to Dana White this week, and some interesting points from that interview. He had said that uh, basically Nate Diaz is going to play out the rest of his contract. He's got one fight left on his contract, and Dana White said, you know, sometimes you get to a point where if you don't think you can hang with the top five guys in the division, it's time to go somewhere else. So I don't know if that's alluding to the fact that this could be the last time we see Nate Diaz in the UFC. And then he also said that Kayla Harris should stay in the PFL because Kayla is like keeps making a million dollars. She goes, she's making an obscene amount of money there. She should stay there. Yeah, why come here? And I, I, we, we all know Kayla though wants the, she wants the name. She wants to be the greatest. So sometimes it's more than money. If she's already won the PFL two, she's got a couple meals sitting in the bank. Let's, let's get the big fights. I think Kayla could could hang with Cyborg and Nunez though. Like I think she's that good. Yeah, I think so too. I think the number one thing she needs is the mindset, and she's got it. You know, so. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's she, got that championship. Mindset. She's got she's got that factor. So she's got that confidence. So I guess we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, and Dana White also, I did an interview with him, and he said that UFC 271 was going to be in either Seattle or somewhere in Canada. And then I found out later in the day um, from from someone within the UFC that, that he had misspoke. And that, 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 uh, that yeah, those, I saw you made a correction yeah, that those cities are being targeted, and um, for for a future event, just not that one. Where would uh, where do you think the market in Canada is now? Since it's obviously not in Toronto anymore, I think I think they'd sell out at any major city at this point in time. Yeah, and I think More it is like, Toronto. I think Toronto is still the biggest Calgary, city. You know, like Toronto, because, I still think is is the the hottest market for the UFC in Canada. Then why don't we? It seems like they're always going out west a little bit more now. They they were doing a pay per view in Toronto pretty regularly every year. Like in the, they did the two the two pay per views in December, and it seemed like one of those two was always in Toronto. When was the last time we've been in Toronto? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, pre-COVID, even pre-COVID, it seemed like it was, wasn't was very often. It seemed like me. they were coming to Edmonton quite a bit. You're right. But uh, UFC Toronto events, let's see. That's a good question. Uh, December 8th, uh, I guess Ortega versus Holloway would have been the last one. That was in 2018. So it's been nearly okay, three years. Too, yeah. But still, two years of the COVID, you know, pandemic. So not right. too bad. Right, yeah. So basically a year off from being in Toronto. Yeah. Well, it just seems like I'd like to go to a, an event in yeah, Toronto. Yeah, I think a lot of people in Canada would. People were really excited about my tweet, and then I unfortunately had to, you know, you rain everybody on everybody's can. parade. No. And uh, also one championship uh, announced that they're going to postpone their uh, anniversary card that was supposed to be held in December due to COVID protocols in um, Singapore. This isn't the the DJ Rod Tank fight, is it? Yeah, it's the DJ Rod oh, Tank. Yeah, like they keep moving that. Yeah. I keep wanting to see that. And uh, lastly, Kevin Lee was removed from the rankings pool today, and I'm I'm trying to figure, find out if it was uh, as a result of him being cut. I'm, I've sent some texts out to find out, but nobody's gotten back to me. 
I'm trying to figure I mean, out. He got he 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 got tested for Adderall, yeah. and he, I know he didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. He came out with that info, it. so I don't know if that's yeah. why he got removed or if he been, has been released. So I'm trying to find that information out. Yeah, well, he's good for the sport. I I mean, I just hope uh, it seems like there's a maybe some mental stuff happening on and, but uh, man, he was he's doing well. He just needs to get things together, and I, he can definitely be a terror again. Yeah, and you know, Adderall. The thing about Adderall is that it is a drug of abuse if you don't need it, right? Like Adderall, but if you have um, ADHD and anxiety, Adderall can really help you and help your quality of life. So it's one yeah. of those kind of tricky things where like he's not using it for, for, for performance-enhancing reasons. It was prescribed by his doctor. So I, I don't know. I, you know I, I don't have a real yeah. strong knowledge of that, but it, it doesn't seem like he was doing – like he, he just – says he's kicking himself for not getting a TUE for it, a, a therapeutic use exemption, but which I think is really the big issue. Like, he, he, like him why, and his why, like, team should have tried to get That's his fault. One. If that's the point, if he was allowed to do it with an exemption and he, it was a lack of filling out paperwork, yeah. come on. That's take on him your, take, your, take your job serious, you know? Yeah. All right, Joe, I know you got to go. Thanks for, yes, uh, thanks for doing this. Congratulations once more on getting into the Hall Thank of Fame. And if you'd much. like yeah. Hall of Fame training, bazookatraining.com. And there you can you go. go to Bazooka Kickboxing on Progress Road in Toronto and uh, train with the only Glory Hall of Famer in the world today. Right. And the first one, even when someone else comes. I'll still be the first. Always so the first. Get over here. But only is cool to say until then. Like, it's cool to say yeah. you're the only inductee. I'm the only one in the Hall and of Fame. Maybe they'll just call it the, jo- it the Joseph Valtellini Memorial Hall of Fame. That's it. I'm going to have to get T-shirts and for a full year. I have to say the one and only. <laughs> I like it. Done. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Joe, and uh, everybody right, enjoy Aaron. your week, and uh, we will recap UFC 267. I'll be in New York next week. I don't know when hey. we're going to do this, so we'll, uh, we'll have to see how it goes. All right. All right, see you then. Boom. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.